Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of the Stern Chats podcast. My name is Ethan Singh and I'm joined with a special guest host, Eric. Eric, how's everything going, bud? Everything's going great. My name is Eric Osterman. I'm one of the vice presidents of operations here at Stern Chats. Been with the club for about a year and today we're going to talk about growing up in New York City. And I myself grew up outside of the city. I grew up in the Burbs between Wappingers Falls and Poughkeepsie, New York. So I have a bit of a different take on living in New York. Oh, yeah. And I have a good take. I, I'm from Queens. Been there my whole life. I spend time in pretty much every borough that counts. So four out of the five. I'll let you guess which the fifth one is. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm really excited about this one. This one is about everything New York and the sick, crazy, insane, and fun people that come from this city. I think any other city that tries to claim it's like New York can't do that because we create so many weirdos. So many weirdos that end up doing great things, and no one else can join us for that, you know, can keep in that competition. I'm also super excited for the two guests we ended up getting. We got two of my favorite people. One of them is Josie, who I spent a ton of time hanging out with, and Layla, who I just met and I'm seriously loving. Uh, so, girls, how are you all doing? You want to give us a quick background on how everything's going? Yeah. Um, hi, Ethan, again. So I'm Josie. I'm a second-year full-time MBA student. Um, I actually grew up not far from Stern. I grew up on 9th between 5th and 6th, and then my family and I moved to a house on Bedford between Christopher and Grove. So um, I've lived in a slew of New York neighborhoods. I've lived in, uh, obviously, the West and Greenwich Villages, East Village, Gramercy, Battery Park. I was on the Upper East Side for five years. <sighs> I'm trying to think if I'm forgetting, probably forgetting another neighborhood. I've moved around so many times. And then I had brief stints in Paris, London, and L.A. Um, as one does. As one does. <laughs> <laughs> Layla? Um, yeah, so I'm Layla. I'm a full-time MBA one. Very excited to be here. Um, so I was born uptown on the Upper East Side at Mount Sinai. That location of the hospital does not exist anymore. And then I grew up between um, literally 34th Street and 30th Street um, on 2nd Avenue. So much less, you know, exposed to different neighborhoods in the city than than Josie. But I think that, um, you know, I grew up in the Kipps Bay, Murray Hill area. People always find it very interesting when I say that. Um, so lived in the area until I was 11 and then moved to Dubai um, again, as one does, and then moved back when I was 16. So New York's always been our home base, but yeah, only lived in Manhattan. That's the one thing I do love. It's, it's a unique thing to be at NYU, be in business school, and also be from here. You would think more people are from here that would be here. Not the case. I think more than 90% of our classmates were born somewhere else and came here and spent however many years here so far. A lot of them moved here for class. So I'm really curious, in your guys' eyes, and especially you, Eric, I'm curious to you too, what makes a New Yorker an actual New Yorker? Yeah, I can start. I have thoughts on this. <laughs> um, I think, obviously, everyone will have different opinions, and I don't necessarily know that um, it's, you know, just the, you have to walk fast, you have to know the subway, et cetera. Like, obviously, those things are are kind of a given to anyone who is from or has lived in New York for a while. But to me, the biggest thing that defines a New Yorker is you kind of being able to just own your own identity. So I find that in New York, 
of the places I've lived and like schools I've been to, et cetera, I have never been forced into a box. And I like that because I have a very diverse background. I'm Muslim American. I'm I have like heritage from India and the Middle East, et cetera. And so, you know, when people ask me where I'm from, I never I'm always from New York and no one ever kind of questions that, et cetera, but they still give me leeway to discuss all the other aspects of who I am. And I like that. I like being able to kind of hold these multiple identities, but be a New Yorker at the core and and have people just let me define that. It's like a unique thing, you know. When you're from New York, you're just from New York. It's an all-encompassing factor. It's a shield you now wear over everything else and rebrands you. Josie, what do you think? What's, what's a New Yorker to you? Yeah, um, I definitely think it's like a state of mind for sure. I think because there's so many people who come here as transplants and like find success and want to make success. So, And I think that a lot of people who come here are really proud of the fact that they made it here, even if it's through school or through any other means. So I definitely think it has a lot to do with how, how much you identify with different New York things. I had this conversation actually on Saturday or Friday night, I think it was, with a few people. And they were like, I'm basically a New Yorker because I've been here for X amount of years. And I was like, I think that's great that you that you feel that way. You feel like this, this is like a home for you. I think it's sort of like wherever you feel comfortable, wherever you feel like you're at home. So I'm definitely not like a snob when it comes to like, oh, well, you know, if you were born here and raised here, it makes you special or like you're a true New Yorker, I think it's really just like a state of mind. I agree. And you're like the most New York person I've ever met. <laughs> you are like New York through and through. I've always thought of New York as like this prison with no walls. Oh, <laughs> like, oh God. <laughs> why are people still here? You can leave. <laughs> but then you feel like you're trapped, like you can't go anywhere else. And then you would never want to go anywhere else. And you would never want to go anywhere else, right? You love the smell of garbage in the summer. <laughs> You love <laughs> that weird black slush that occupies every street in February. <laughs> this is what we call home, like yeah. Eric, to you. Because you, you moved here. I did, yeah. So um, I've lived in uh, Bed-Stuy. I'm currently in the Upper West Side at the moment. But I also grew up only an hour outside of the city. So I would, I would agree with everything that's been said. And I would define it further as it's a city of extremes. So it is both... So welcoming because there's so many micro communities here, but it's also very exclusionary. It is it is the all at once. It is why is this person so happy and smiling at me? And also like everyone's my friend. It's both leave me the hell alone. And I've never had more pleasant random encounters with strangers throughout a day. And that is very unique and different about the city than others. I mean, we've all traveled extensively. Um, and I would say being a New Yorker is defined by resiliency for all of those reasons, especially that kind of came to light during the pandemic of like, you better wear your motherfucking mask. And also we're in this together and, and we'll do whatever possible to get through this at the same time. So in its hardest moments, New York is the best place to be. In its better moments, it's not a great place to be. <laughs> Oh, I totally agree. You touched on some, one of my favorite parts about this city. As I do believe firmly, this city breeds the most high-functioning, insane people of anywhere else on the planet. There have been studies that shown that living in close proximity to people does create a unique type of insanity. Uh, and you're right. <laughs> Pro the proof is here. Uh, it's, it's like you meet the weirdest people throughout this entire city. Uh, did you guys meet anybody really weird out of nowhere that just makes zero sense? I think I would have to think about that a bit. I think maybe I've just met so many that it's not it's weird to me anymore. Now, 
<laughs> I got to go in for you. I, I, when I, I went to undergrad at NYU as well, and my sister did too. So sometimes I wait for her after class, and I just sit in Washington Square Park like another crazy person would do because that's a terrible idea. <laughs> and I remember one day this woman comes up to me, and she's not talking to me. She comes by me and starts taking acorns out of her pocket and starts calling human names and squirrels were coming. And I was like, this is, I had to ask her like, do you, do you know these squirrels? And she goes, oh yeah, yeah, no, I trained them. And she was very serious and went to depth about how she learned to train squirrels in Vietnam. I also wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if that woman worked at Goldman Sachs for 10 years or like wrote a novel at the same time. Oh, it's both like that right. nuts and that brilliant at the same oh, time. I've got a good one about, not Goldman, but about banking recruiting. Because when you do Stern, you do business school, you're recruiting for so long. A bunch of buddies were going to an invite-only event for the banking recruiting event. There was a woman from Google heckling them on the street making fun of his suits and all that stuff. One of my friends was like, we felt so violated. This woman's just shouting at us for no reason, saying we're selling our souls. And then... then <laughs> she found... works for Google. Yeah. I then, mean... <laughs> then she hit him up on LinkedIn, offering him a job. Oh, my God. <laughs> One of my good friends, but I met her just online at a coffee shop at uh, uptown, and it found out that, you know, we were the same age, and she had a dog, and... We were friends for a long time, and it was just because we were complaining about how long the lady was taking in the bathroom. <laughs> and she became just a really good friend of mine. That was just yeah. kind of a very late... I mean, I feel like that could probably happen anywhere, but... That's New Yorkers' favorite things to do, though, complain. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, going off of that, I think it's important to kind of challenge the assumption that people in New York are, like, mean or rude or, you know, unfriendly, because... I, since starting at Stern in the last three months, have become, like, besties with the guy who runs the coffee cart right outside of campus, and his name is Mr. Shaker, and he often, often I will not have 25 cents, and I'm like, look, like, I'm so sorry I don't have the extra 25 cents, and there have been, like, two or three times where he's just, like, let me bring it to him the next day, and, like, 25 cents built up over – that's not, like, a small amount of money when you, you know, are selling coffee and, like, you have customers every single day and you need to be giving people change as well. Like, it's significant. And I thought that, like, thinking about that, it kind of signifies, like, maybe you don't know everyone and maybe you don't, you know, hang out with every person because people have their own lives, et cetera. But I do think that there is a level of community that New York breeds. I, I would say – I, I totally agree, and I would think it's it's valuing authenticity over other signifiers. Like, it's already hard enough to live here. You're already here. He sees through your daily interactions that you're a good person. So, like, she's good for it. She'll get back to me. Or she's got a harder burden than I do versus, like, other places that I think. New York is very status aware, but I think New Yorkers value the authentic connection and authenticity more than anything else, especially for those brief interactions, for sure. Yeah, and, like, every morning he's, like, like, the first month of school, I was, like, oh, just, like, a small, and then, like, recruiting started, and I was, like, it's going to be a large today, <laughs> and now, like, <laughs> and now, like, every morning he's, like, large, right? I'm, like, yeah, it's going to be large until, like, March. <laughs> I, I would say one thing that, as I've kind of gotten older and reflected on, you know, myself in regards, in relation to others, one thing that I think is very New York that comes through in my interactions with others is comfortability with conflict. And like once once that once it kind of happens, it's out, it's done, and we're moving on. So I can be screaming at someone in traffic, and then we're stopped next to each other at a red light, 
And I'm like, can I please move over in front of you? And they're like, yeah, come on, go ahead. <laughs> but it's that, like, the, the I think the frequency of conflict is what New York is known for, but I think how quickly it diffuses is something that, until you're here, you don't really know and understand. This is a great segue into driver's licenses, I think. Hey! Because, <laughs> like, why don't we drive? Why does no one here have a driver's license? Why is that a thing? Well, there's, like, nowhere to park a car. And, like, you don't need a car. And, like, let's say you did want a car. You end up paying more just to, like, put it in a garage than you do on, like, you know, your entire social spending for the month. Oh, so. parking a car is more than rent in most cities. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, for example, Josie, t- tell me, when did you get your license? I don't have, is it, oh, that's funny. (laughs) (laughs) I I have my learner's permit, thank you. Uh, I haven't actually taken the the lessons yet, though. I actually don't know what the sequence of events are after getting the permit, so I just haven't, I, like, never did it. I think you're just underlining his point. Yeah, exactly, yeah. You're the fifth person to see to do it, so they haven't really... Yeah, right, right. I still get, my dad has family in New Jersey, and I still get made fun of by all of my cousins and all of my aunts and uncles every time I see them, like... You're 30. When are you going to get your driver's license? And I, I, and then my parents have now started asking me that too. They're like, it's, it's a life skill. You need to know how to drive. And I always say, yeah, well, I have all these other things going on. It's just one of those things I keep putting off, you know. But do you agree? Like, how do you feel about them stating the it's a life skill? I agree. I just haven't gotten Got to, it. to yeah. it. I also, I mean, I'm also a student now. And so the way I like to put it is my, my art, my bank account is empty, but my ROI is high. (laughs) So I don't really have the funds. I have the time. I just don't have the funds right now to actually get a driver's license and pay for the lessons because, like, my parents aren't going to pay for it. Even though they really, really want me to get the license, they're not going to pay for it. I wouldn't ask them to anyway. They might, but I'm not going to ask them to. So I'll get to it. I just don't really feel like spending my free time doing that right now. I know you guys are right. Just not gonna do that though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just not, not yet, not yet. Not My yet. mom didn't get hers till she was thirty-five. So. Oh, wow. so there's time. There's time. There's time. Yep. <laughs> driver's license was one of the weird things about New York City to me because New York is such a big place. I think when you think about New York, you think Manhattan. That's one fifth of the city. There's the Bronx, Brooklyn, Queens, and for some reason Staten Island. And when you live in these different places. Having a car is not that weird. For example, I grew up loving cars. So I got my license at 17. And in Queens, you don't need a license. You really don't. But some parts of Queens you do. Luckily, I didn't live in one of those terrible places. But I I did have a car, and it was useful at times. I got my license at 17. I didn't actually drive until I was 21, 22. Uh, But Layla, you also don't have a license. Am I right? I do have a license. Ooh, I don't want to flex. <laughs> Humble brag. <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay, so mine is a funny story. I, both me and my sister didn't have licenses, and I was 18, and she is two years older than me, so she was 20. And it was the summer before I was going to college, and my parents were like, Layla, like, you can't go to college without a license. Like, you're not going unless you get your driver's license. Which obviously is like a very empty threat because it's not like they were going to stop me from going to college. (laughs) But I was kind of like, okay, like, I'm never going to do it, so I may as well do it. Like, my sister was getting hers, blah, blah, blah. So, took the lessons. I was so good at parallel parking for, like, six months when I had to, like, consistently parallel park or, like, three months. 
Um, now I'm like, who is she? How was she good at parallel parking? <laughs> like, I literally can't park, period, now. Um, so I do have my license. I wouldn't say I drive frequently, but um, in the pandemic, we were out in Toronto taking care of my grandparents, and they live in a suburb of um, Toronto. And so, you know, I was driving probably the most consistently while I was there. Um, and it was funny because I was like, oh, my God, this is, like, what it feels like to, like, live in the suburbs. Like, I have, like, a car that I'm using. Like, I'm driving. I would add that driving within the bounds of New York City is different than driving anywhere else. Like, all totally. rules go out the window. Yes. It's every man for himself. So that doesn't surprise me that your mom was a lot more at ease about you driving in the subway. But kind of tying in a theme from before, for me, growing up in the burbs, driving was independence and freedom. And from what I'm hearing from you both, it's kind of more just a hassle to have the car. What do I do with it? When is it opposite side parking? So you you already have this autonomy and this independence and this freedom, and the car kind of hampers that. Whereas for me, 16 and a half, I had my license. I was out yeah. going to practice, driving to friends' houses and that sort of thing. Does that sort of ring true for you, or is that more just like my perspective as an outsider? Yeah, I think it definitely goes back to what Layla said about necessity. Mm. Um, I think freedom in New York is called a metro card. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Because, and you uh, don't need to take a test for it. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, wish yeah. you did, but uh, <laughs> it, it's a good point. That's an interesting one too. We talked about this kind of earlier. You guys get licenses at seventeen. You're like, oh, we can go wherever we want. Yeah. Uh, we get metro cards at like ten, uh, and the schools give them out. That's a weird experience because I know people come here at like 28, 30, and they're like, wow, it's so scary taking the subway. And I'm like, dude, I did that before I hit puberty. Like, what are we what are we talking about here? Like, what's that? Like, how old were you guys when you first started taking the train? I was 10. I remember taking public transportation. And I think 10 is pretty standard. I kind of went everywhere with my sister, and she was two years older than me. So, you know, I had like a quote-unquote <laughs> chaperone, even though she was 12. <laughs> She can but just yeah. dial a phone a little better than you can. Yeah. And it's, like, significantly more responsible than me, like, in life. That was probably my parents' thought process. But, yeah, 10. That's that's incredible. Can I ask you just a follow-up question? How old are you, and did you have a cell phone? Like, I'm trying to gauge parents' safety and ease with this. Because, like, I was driving, and I had a pager. That's how old I am. But, like, was it, do you also think 10 was a good age because at any moment you could just call your folks and say, like, something happened, I got diverted, or something like that? Yes. So I did get a cell phone when I started, like, going on the subway, walking to school independently. Nice. So I think I was 10, or maybe I got it, like, shortly after because I went everywhere with my sister, like, 11. But, um, yeah, that was, like, our cell phones were our freedom. Like, we were allowed to go places, blah, 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 but we had to make sure that we were, like, good with our phones, which, like, at age 10, you're, like, obsessed with your, like, yeah. little flip phone. Yeah. So, like, obviously, um, I was super hype about it. But, yeah, it, it that was a big factor was, like, we had cell phones as, like, a safety mechanism. Texting when you get there, checking in, that sort exactly. of thing. Yeah. And when we first started going to school by ourselves, actually, we walked to school, my sister and I. My mom um, would kind of, like, let us leave the house, and then she would leave, like, three minutes later and just kind of, like, watch us walk to school, but we didn't know that. <laughs> so, so she was kind of, nice. like, just checking, like, do yeah. they know where they're going? Um, and I think she did that for a couple days before we, we kind of started doing it ourselves. On the subway aspect, I actually didn't start taking the subway until I was 
I would say, well into high school. I also went to school really close to where I lived. So I just, I like never went above 14th Street. That was like my, mine and my family's like modus operandi. And like my dad also like moved to the city at a time when the subway was an extremely dangerous place. And he still, even now I'm almost 31, he still doesn't want me to take the subway. But, you know, I mean, I take the subway now, but... Um, we were always taught growing up that it was like an unsafe place to be. So my sister and I didn't really take the subway until I was with friends and all my friends were taking the subway. So I was like, okay, so I'm going on the subway. And then I was away for COVID too. And actually I was in LA for two months and I just got back and I just found out like maybe a week ago about, or two weeks ago about the feature where you can do the tap to pay. (laughs) So for the longest time I was like agonizing over getting a Metro card and filling up these Metro cards at like full capacity and then like losing them and then my wallet's stolen. And so me and the subway have have a weird relationship. Yeah, it's a weird relationship, but we always grew up learning that it's, a, it's an unsafe place to be, even though that's definitely not the case. And it sounds like that was sort of helped along by the fact that you lived in a pretty walkable neighborhood. Yeah. So you didn't have to travel too far. Right, 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 right. So we, we were pretty lucky there. And then my parents actually, they took us to school until I was like in eighth grade. So even, even so. So they were very, very protective yeah. of me and my sister. Yeah. My sister, not so much. They, they kind of let her do her own thing. But with me, because I was the firstborn, I think I was a little, it's like a different dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. As a youngest, I can, I can vouch for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. My sister's a little more fearless than I am. And it definitely shows in, and she's eight years younger too. So it's a huge, oh, wow. yeah. And Oh, and then the cell phone thing. I got my first cell phone at 12 which I think might have been later than some other kids, maybe. I was, I was like in seventh grade, sixth grade, and I had, I had a Motorola flip phone, and I thought it was the coolest thing. And then I had a couple of razors, and that was, those were all the rage, and Blackberry, and then I like finally converted to iPhone in 20, I don't know, 2010 or something, <laughs> 2011. I love it. The evolution of the cell phone and also our train-taking habits. Yeah. <laughs> I was taking the train at 12. I had a razor, I think, at that point. Mm. I'm not sure. What color was your razor? Oh, silver. Okay. I like the original <laughs> silver. I didn't like the, the other colors. I was a I was a geezer at a very young age. I was very old, actually. <laughs> uh, you know what's one weird thing? I feel like if you tell someone your commute's super long, they're like, was it like 30 minutes? When I was, in, when I was going to high school, I went to high school in the Bronx. I lived in Queens. And I think like half the school was also from Queens. So every day, all of us would take the the train for an hour and 35 minutes. And that was just normal for us from the age of 13. And you know how different it was? I wonder how kids do subways today because it's so much easier. When I did it back then, my mom took me once and it was like write down the instructions about where you're going to go and then come back because that was it. Wow. There was no smartphones back then or they were. They were like really, really new. And we did not have those. Different experience. Um, so, you can you repeat how old you were when you did this? 12, 13, something like that. It's, I, even if you were on a school bus that took you door to door, that's a long time for a 12-year-old to like, oh, yeah. sit on a bus. Mm-hmm. Before alone iPads, before, like, yeah. Alone with their thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> and Just your CD Walkman. <laughs> <laughs> now that's what I call music volume 30. <laughs> Got the MP3 player, maybe. No. I did have an iPod. Nice. Classic. Nice, nice. But in, in line with the subway is not safe, I felt like taking one of those out, it's like, oh, you're asking to get robbed. <laughs> Back in those days, which reminds me of something else. New York is constantly changing. Like when your dad came to New York, it's probably around the same time my dad came to New York, which is like 80s or so. 
yeah, New York back then was wild. Uh, has it changed? It has gotten significantly safer. Um, but New York is constantly evolving. For example, Layla, Murray Hill. When people think Murray Hill, they think banker boys, finance <laughs> bros. But you grew up there. It wasn't always like that. It wasn't always like that. That's like a new thing. Like growing up, people are always so surprised when I say that. And I almost like present it just waiting for their reaction to be like, wait, what? <laughs> but um, yeah, it used to be. And I think in a lot of ways, it still is very familial. Um, so I grew up for the first like five years of my life in technically Murray Hill. And then I moved to Kipps Bay, which is just like four blocks south, which technically borders Murray Hill but um, it's like Murray Hill vibes. And yeah, like my building has a lot of families. We knew most families in our building. A lot of kids from my school lived in my building. My doorman like raised me (laughs) with my parents. Like it was just like a standard New York neighborhood. And I think then, you know, once I probably got into like college, it started to get a lot more... Yeah, like broy. And now when I walk around, I'm like, oh my god, this is so funny. Like we grew up going to these restaurants, or we, blah blah blah. And now it's just like, you can't walk in without it feeling like you're in like, at a frat party. <laughs> just a sea of Patagonia vests. <laughs> yeah, literally. Which is so funny. Um, honestly, I don't mind it. There's like a level of like liveliness that comes into the neighborhood, but um, it is yeah a funny cultural shift like New York goes through a cultural shift every decade or so. Uh, no neighborhood stays the same, and if it does, you should ask why. That's really weird. <laughs> but, but Josie, what have you noticed? Yeah, a lot. So I grew up, and th- this is the first part, actually, there was, before I say anything else, so Greenwich Village and West Village are different neighborhoods. A lot of people don't know that. Greenwich Village is anything east of 5th Avenue or 6th Avenue, really. And then I would consider the West Village anything west of 6th. So just wanted to make that distinction. So for the West Village, I just moved back to the West Village, actually. And I, I'm amazed at how different it is. Um, it's There's a lot of really young people. I mean, young people. Like, I want to say, like, early 20s. And it's just funny, too, to see. Like, there's a place. I live near this place called Tavern on Chain. And it's, like, a hot happening place now. And I'm like, it was, like, a cr- like crappy food. I would go there with my dad and his friend. Like, th- he had friends who were a couple who lived, like, a block down on Jane Street. And now it's, like, this hot bar. And it's, like, pumping at night. And, like, and I told my dad recently. My dad hates the West Village now. He's like, I'll never move back here. Um, he's like, wait, this is, like, a hot spot now? This is This is crazy. This was, like, not a cool place to go. And even the West Village as a whole was not... I think it was sort of starting to be a little more trendy when we moved there in, like, I think it was, like, 99. Like, we got a full townhouse at the time. I think it was just starting to become more family-oriented. But before that, it was not. It was just a lot of people who probably still live there now who are now, like, rent-stabilized, though, I would say. But you see fewer and fewer people like that. And it's kind of lost its character a little bit, I think. Um, It's just become so trendy. Eric, when when you came to New York, was it like a dream or a goal of yours to one day be here? I think for a lot of folks growing up in the New York City suburbs, getting a job and living in Manhattan was very aspirational. You, you can see it from from many places along the Metro North up the river. You can see it off in the distance, and it's always... I remember my parents' friends talking to them about how their kids were doing, like, oh, their son's doing really well, they have a job in Manhattan. So it was always this kind of 
aspirational thing that um, hearing you guys talk about this, and my wife actually grew up in, in Manhattan as well, it has always blown my mind the way that I thought about growing up. I mean, let's just even take, I grew up in Beacon, and when I grew up there, it was not cool. Most of my friends had gotten jumped or mugged walking down the street, and then Dia moves in, and suddenly it's the coolest place to be. Everyone that has kids in Brooklyn moves to Beacon and buys a house. <laughs> so that feeling of, I got to get the hell out of this place, it blew my mind when I met some native New Yorkers that had the same feeling of like, I need to get out of the city. I need to go make myself, I need to go find myself someplace else, which is then usually followed by, I'm going to go back to New York City. So have you guys sort of, did you have that same feeling growing up of like loving this place, but also I got to get out? Yeah. It's like I was laughing before because I just went to Beacon. (laughs) (laughs) There were no cool donut shops. There were no cool coffee shops, any of that. No, I think it's Ethan and I, we went together. Oh, Beacon. was that Beacon? Yeah, that was Beacon. Oh, that yeah, was we had sick. dinner. We had dinner in Beacon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't forget. Remember? Yeah. Anyway, we. I, but the day, literally the day before, I had been by myself, and I remember walking around, and I was like, "I want to live here. It's so great. It's so cool. It's so so cute and quaint." I was like looking up how much houses were, and it's like probably everything that you know you guys would probably hate. People like us moving in and infiltrating your nice town. Um, but uh, to answer your question, though, yes, for sure. I always, not always, but I think as I got older, I felt this push to leave the city. And I actually interned in L.A. this summer. My sister was also on the West Coast at the time. And before I started at Stern, actually, I quit my job six months before matriculating. And I did camping and hiking. And I was out West for basically six months. And I remember having this epiphany almost where I was like, well, there's a whole big world in in this country. You don't have to go to Paris or London to experience the beauty of the United States of America. And it's not just New York. And I do get a little irritated with people, transplants and natives. I don't really hear this from natives so much, but mostly transplants who are like, oh, New York's center of the universe. It's really not. Like, Mm. there's so many other things to see. So I felt a pull to leave, and I didn't actually apply to any jobs in New York City when I was recruiting. Wow. Yeah, I definitely felt a pull because I just I, – I wanted a little more exposure and the, the wildlife and, like, it sounds so trite, but it just was so, like, life-changing to, to do all these things out, out west. And, Layla, your family moved away. Yes. So, actually, it's interesting. My parents – when I was 11 – my parents decided that we would all move to Dubai. My mom has some family there. We'd been there a bunch of times. My dad's family is in India. It kind of made sense. And we really didn't have to. Like, we didn't move necessarily for, like, my dad's job or anything. My parents kind of going off of that were sort of just like, we want our kids to be exposed to something different. And it was an incredible, incredible experience. I loved You know, my years there, I love Dubai. Some of my best friends ever are still my friends from from school in Dubai. So, um, yeah, that was incredible. And then we moved back. And I remember when I was applying to colleges, I remember just thinking, like, I do not want to stay in the city. Like, I know the city. I've been here. And I kind of felt like, well, a lot of the kids who come to the city for college come for New York Mm. and not necessarily just for the school and I kind of wanted to challenge myself to 
find a school that I I really liked. Um, and so in a series of events, I ended up in Ohio, um, <laughs> which is very different to New York. But it was a small liberal arts school, middle of nowhere vibes, one of those, which, again, I was like, oh, my God, what am I doing to myself? Like, why do I keep making these, like, weird, drastic life choices? Um <laughs> But it was incredible. And, like, a lot of the kids are from the coast, a lot of kids from New York. And then from there I ended up um, moving out to Arlington, right outside of Washington, D.C., Arlington, Virginia. And I was there um, for a few years before moving back to the city. Did you did you feel a similar pull back or was it more just opportunity, job, school, that sort of thing? I did feel a similar pull. Like, my parents are here, my I have a lot of, like, cousins and extended family still in the city. I also just had never lived in the city as an adult. So I didn't know what it was like, you know. I didn't know what living in the city as a non-18-year-old felt like, you know. Um, And when you're 18, yeah, you have a a level of autonomy and independence. But you're not an adult yet, you know. You don't know the ins and outs of, like, you don't know yourself as well. Um, And I think there's a community for every community in New York, and I wanted to kind of discover what that looked like um, for me. So it was kind of a mix. I have a follow-up question, but I'm going to ask it, and if you guys aren't comfortable answering, that's fine. It's a bit of a tangent. The same question about wondering what it's like to be an adult in New York. How would you guys kind of categorize or discuss your experience dating in New York, if you've done that? I'm comfortable. <laughs> me too. Right on. <laughs> do, you, do you want me to take it away? Yeah, take it away. There's a lot of man babies, I think, who <laughs> <laughs> who kind of, they think that they come here and it's, like, going to be a big party. And the, the women in New York City and men are very attractive. You know, I mean, I think that we're, you know, it's, the city attracts a lot of attractive people. And so I think a lot of men feel like they're kids in a candy store and there's a lot of options. And that makes for not what you would want in a life partner. And I've dated people my own age. I've dated people a lot older. And it, it's kind of the same age-old story. So I found it to be very difficult, which is why I'm still single, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. You know, to be honest, I haven't really dated much in New York. I moved back very recently. I'm not on any of the apps. Um, I'm on all the apps. Which maybe I should be. <laughs> I like, it actually sounds like you probably I'm shouldn't. on Raya and I can't find anybody. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I don't know. I'm just kind of trying to trust the process, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I can't say I've had much experience, but from my friends who have lived in the city as adults for much longer, they have given me a lot of their opinions on dating in the city and it doesn't sound like it's very easy it's very tiring is what it is because it's like a numbers game it's especially as a guy i think the ratio skews towards men in new york whereas in other cities like in la i heard it's really hard today as a guy but in new york i heard it's really easy today as a guy i think it's kind of true uh but once again there are so many weird people in this city if you date like 10 people I guarantee you six of them are like, ooh, you're really weird, actually. <laughs> so if you're someone that loves a story, it's great, because you can get some wild stories oh, from dates. I've got so many crazy stories. <laughs> Not a lot of success. That's another podcast. It's a whole That's a different episode, yeah. <laughs> but you, you touched on something, Layla, that I wanted to come back to, which was a lot of people come to New York for school. Or they come to school because they into New York because they want to be in New York. And going to school in New York is such a weird experience, especially like a place like NYU, because we don't have a 
closed off campus. The city is our campus, right? Totally, folks. Um, and it's really kind of nice, actually. It's kind of interesting. What, is, what has been your experience so far going to school here and, you know, in New York? Yeah, so I have had two now polar opposite educational experiences because my undergrad was like in the middle of nowhere and it was in a village, literally. That's what like, you know, Gambier, Ohio is known as a village. Um, And it's really just Kenyan that's there. And then Stern, of course, the city is the campus. So I think as an adult, I have enjoyed being in a city. I think I appreciate the fact that I can be a little bit more anonymous um, while still having the close-knit community that Stern brings. I do think that as an undergrad, I might have struggled a bit because while I am pretty extroverted and I, I socialize a good amount, it was so much less effort to make friends at Kenyon because you all, everyone lived together. You had to be friends whether you liked it or not. So yeah, I don't, I don't know that I have a strong opinion either way, but I do think that for me, the trajectory of like small school, middle of nowhere for undergrad and then moving into the city for grad school makes, makes sense. I have like a good opinion on this because, and Josie, I want to hear yours too, because you and I were both undergrads at NYU and are now here for grad school. Because when I was an undergrad, I always felt that like, well, your friends or whoever your friends are in New York, I wasn't that close to my class in undergrad. I did not have a ton of friends. Whereas now in business school, it's like, oh, this is my community. This is my people. I have like, like a hundred super close friends. And I'm like, okay, I love all these people. It's such a different environment. But what was your experience like, Josie? Yeah, my experience in undergrad, I feel like, yeah, I mean, to everyone's point, NYU is definitely a bigger school. But when you go to NYU undergrad, there's different pockets of people. So, like, I was an English literature major, and people within that major usually hung out, or people doing more liberal artsy kind of things hung out a lot. So I felt like I had a pretty solid community of people growing up. Um, And then I also had some of my friends from high school, too, literally two that I still talk to um, and talk to at the time. I still, I think I feel like now, probably similarly to you more than ever, that I have more people I can call on and text really at any time on any day at any time be like do you want to get a cup of coffee or do you want to go see a movie do you want to get a drink do you want to go to dinner but I also think that speaks more to me as a person and how I've grown up like I was really introverted like into my early 20s and just really shy and I do think that speaks a little bit to my upbringing and I didn't really let a lot of people in whereas now I think I'm a little more extroverted I like to call myself an extrovert or an introvert who masks herself as an extrovert. Um, I feel like that. I feel like that's relatable to a lot of people. But for me, especially, just because I was, I was just really painfully shy growing up and um, just didn't have a lot of close close friends that I didn't let in. But now I feel like I have so many, which is great, especially at Stern. My closest friends are Sternies for sure. Well, same here. Um, last week I was in London for a while, and it made me think. Being a tourist in New York must be horrendous. It must be such an awful experience because being a tourist in London is like, it's fine. You'll figure it out after a few days. But like you won't figure it out after a few days in, in New York. And there's not much, like if you look at all the tourist attractions, they're fine. They're not that great. So like folks around the table, favorite spots in New York. Okay. I feel like every New Yorker has their go-to Thai restaurant. So I will start with um, a place called Jaya Thai. It's on 28th and 3rd. It's been there forever. 
It has gotten a bit more pricey after the pandemic, which makes sense. But their food is just incredible. And it's, like, actually spicy. Like, if you like spicy food, you should go there. Um, so that's a go-to. Yemen Cafe in Brooklyn. It's, like, very cafeteria-style incredible food. Um, those are probably the two that we've always been to. Other go-to spots, I think, like, I'm a big Madison Square Park gal. I love just posting up there. It's so nice. The lawn is beautiful. It's, like, small enough to not feel like you're getting lost, but big enough to kind of have space to to sit on a bench and spend the afternoon. Those are probably my top places. For restaurants, Il Cantonori all the way. My parents have been going there since before I was born. <laughs> it's been there forever, similarly to Jaya. I've, I've been to Jaya. Jaya's great. I mm-hmm. used to live on 24th fourth and third and um so I've I've ordered from there like a million times but yeah Il Cantonori for sure and it's really not very far from Stern it's on 10th between University and Broadway I have to send them this podcast now since I just did like a shameless not that they need the publicity (laughs) at all at all um uh oh there's a place called Osteria 57 also on 10th but between fifth and sixth is really good my mom and I really like that place Meme is another good Mediterranean restaurant on Perry I think it's Perry and Hudson um, and then for parks, I think the Bronx has the best parks. I don't care what anybody says. I think the Bronx has the best parks. Woodlawn, Van Cortland, um, the neighborhood up by Riverdale is so, so pretty. Nobody ever goes up there, but it's so underrated and it's just stunning. Um, and then the Frick Museum never really mm-hmm. gets a lot of plugs for some reason, but the Frick is so great. I think it might be under construction right now or under renovation, but the home itself is a work of art and the if you like art, I think they have a pretty decent Vermeer collection. So those are some of my favorite spots in the city. I would say for me, the restaurant question is not really applicable because I'm a human garbage can and I'll eat anything and everything <laughs> at all times. And that's honestly one of the things I love about New York is like there's a glut of options and um, and everyone's very frank about their ratings of things. Um, I would say there's a great craft beer bar in the Upper West Side called The Optimist, and you can go in and get awesome cans for takeaway. They have great stuff on draft all the time. As far as parks go, Riverside Park, I think, is underrated and, and really beautiful if you like kind of follow it all the way. For like a cultural outing, The Cloisters in Upper Manhattan is a place that like once you're there, it's hard to think like, oh, this is still Manhattan because it's so beautiful and serene. I did 12 years of Catholic school and I first went there on a school trip and it was like the connection to all these relics and stuff was really cool. Even if you're not a religious person, the history of everything is really wonderful and just the surroundings are beautiful. And there's a nice little park outside of there too. How about you, Ethan? Oh, my favorite thing. Everyone uses Google Maps to find places they want to go. Just get lost. Yes. Just go for a walk. Don't know where you're going and don't have any intention of finding out where you're going. Because that's how you get into weird situations, find weird places, meet weird people. That's always the best idea. I like to just, you know, go into the middle of the street, broad daylight, spin around 20 times, and just follow your heart. That's my suggestion. Can I can I add to that of, like, if you're going out drinking in New York, a very New York night is at 3 a.m. You wind up someplace you've never thought you would be. <laughs> There's probably a celebrity there. You're like, yeah, you just follow these rabbit holes of things, too. Yeah. That's- oh, yeah. If you want a good place to end up at 3 a.m., there's a place called You've Been There Before. (laughs) That's awesome. It's a real place. Because a lot of listeners may be evaluating whether or not they want to come to New York. New Yorker pro tips. Maybe just how to navigate, how to be, don't look up at the tops of buildings, like that sort of thing. Yeah. Be really mindful of 
walking. Don't my dad calls it the friend line. He hates the I hate the friend line. It's when people just walk next to each other mm-hmm. and take up the entire block and they have no regard for people behind them or people who are going the other way. That is the worst thing you could do. You can look up. I mean, it's pretty mesmerizing. If if you're not used to really tall skyscraper-type buildings, no, look up. But just be mindful of those around you because people, even if we're not in a rush, like I do this, even if I'm not in a rush, I walk so fast. Speed walk. Speed walk. I have nowhere to be, and I'm like... I'm just as sweaty as I as I was when I walked in here this morning. Just for but like for no reason, like I have nowhere to be. So I'd say that's the biggest one. Definitely just be mindful of of people around you. Yeah, I would say kind of two things. One, going off of being mindful of people around you. I think one group of people that kind of gets overlooked sometimes in the city is the elderly crowd who maybe are like 75, 80 and older, but they're like used to being New Yorkers. So they still walk everywhere and they don't want your help. And if you try and offer, they'll tell you to fuck off. Um, (laughs) I speak from personal experience. Um, But, you know, they're really badass. But also I think to that point, it's important to recognize like in the midst of all of our speed walking, we might like bulldoze someone. So I do that too a lot. And I, I have kind of found that I need to be a little bit more careful on that. And then probably the next thing, just like financially. I think it's important to kind of be a little bit more intentional about where you spend your money because it's so expensive in the city. And understandably, a lot of people can't afford to live here. And yeah, just being mindful of that. Yeah, which is why I'm a big advocate of the subway. It's like $3 to travel, two seventy-five, whatever. It's great. It's cheap. It's easy. And it's not. it could be unsafe at times. Just don't go at super late hours. And if you're really concerned, the middle car is the conductor. And if you're in trouble, they have to help you. I didn't know that, actually. They do have to help you. That's a pro tip for me. And if you hit the conductor, it's a federal crime, so no (laughs) one would do that. Fabulous. So if you ever feel unsafe while taking the train, definitely do that. And if you see an empty train car, it's empty for a reason. Don't go into that. That's a trap. (laughs) These are really helpful tips. So true. true. Every once in a while, there'll just be a garbage train. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're waiting for a train, and then you just see a bunch of garbage bags run by. <laughs> Were the not... windows open? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It's These like are not jokes. These are real things. 120 yeah. degree heat. If it's a packed train and there's an empty seat, don't sit in it because it's empty for a reason. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is a good one. I really enjoy this. Yeah. Josie, Layla, thank you so much for coming on this episode. Thanks for having us. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.